Can the Hornets bounce back from a rough week? Plus, what happened between James Borrego and James Booknight on the bench? We'll talk about that today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us out on all platforms and listen to the pod. You can also check out YouTube. Over 1,000 subscribers. We're going to have to figure out the face paint thing as time goes on. Follow us on Twitter, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, Locked On Hornets. And if you are on YouTube, you can see the Doug's house got an upgrade. That's a pretty sweet little view you got. <laughs> Yeah, I'm coming to you uh, live right now from Los Angeles. I've got it in the background. Beautiful sunrise happening over the Hollywood Hills behind me. I'm in L.A. for Radio Row, the Super Bowl media extravaganza. Locked On is here. We've got the hosts from both uh, Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams here, as well as Locked On NFL. Uh, So if you are all at all a fan of football, the Super Bowl, make sure to check out all of those shows. There, I've done my... I've done my locked on duty. Wait, it's over here. Mm. Done my locked on duty for today. You're definitely a company man. Now all we need to see you do is ask random people and random athletes what they think of Lamella Ball and really what they think of this book night Borrego situation. Well, I mean, it's exploding on Twitter. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I tweeted out the video. It's all I, I just tweet the spiciest, grainy videos of my there own television go. and then they blow up on Twitter. Uh, yeah, this con- this confrontation between book night and Borrego has brought out all of the Book Night fans. I didn't know Book Night had such a hive, and he does, and and we don't know that because he doesn't play a lot. Uh, And then it brought out LaMelo fans, and they did the, what is the meme where the two, like, strong hands shake? Well, it is Rocky and it is Apollo Creed. They are both shaking hands. Over fire Borrego. That's the... the, Right, correct. It serves as the millennial Venn diagram, those people connecting all at once. And when you look at what happened there... It's something we can try to break down, right? So James Borrego in the middle of that game, what the, the score was was over and done with by then, right? Like it, the Hornets, it was it was basically about to be a blowout from Miami. Yeah, I believe the margin going into the fourth quarter was twenty five. Right. Um, that's not insurmountable in the NBA in the fourth quarter, but it certainly would have been like headline, you know, fourth quarter comebacks twenty plus points. It's not. I mean, I think the Celtics have done it this year. It's not like impossible. But it's pretty improbable. It, it, it's yeah. So, for all intents and purposes, right? It looked like it was going to be over in that game. Right. And James Borrego goes over to the bench. He talks to James Booknight, and then Booknight gets up in a challenging mm-hmm. way. If you haven't seen the video, it's it's out there by our own Doug Branson. Kind of gets up in a challenging way. Borrego doesn't have any of the smoke for him, and it's not like he's scared. He just isn't going to get involved in that type of thing. Is the no, bro? Oh, oh, Borrego didn't flinch. It was sort of like the no. Kobe play where the where he threw the ball at Kobe, and Kobe didn't flinch. Like I didn't see Borrego like flinch at all. He didn't. He he wasn't trying to increase the confrontation, no. which you would expect from an NBA head coach. But he definitely wasn't like you know backing up in any way. No, no. So so Borrego just calmly kind of walks back and I believe mm-hmm. it was one of the assistant coaches maybe Chad Isky I think w- was there to try to calm uh, book night down mm-hmm. and then take him off of the bench okay lots to get to here because Doug yeah. it's the first time that we've seen anybody publicly 
go after Borrego. And this is somewhat of a unusual circumstance. It's not like I imagine if you had asked a ton of coaches how many of those instances they have, I would imagine, I don't know, maybe a couple on their resume, but I can't imagine like that have been practicing this for a long time, but I don't think there's been a lot. And this is the first time we've seen this from Borrego, at least in that kind of challenging of a manner. We know Cody Zeller wanted to be valued. We know Malik Monk uh -huh. wanted to be valued. We know some comments that hinted not exactly happy with my role, but yeah. by all what we've seen from him, he's kind of been tabbed as this player's coach. And I believe that. I think the players genuinely do like Borrego and his honesty with them. But here we go, rookie book night, halfway through the season, a little bit past it. Borrego got his first challenge at the, uh, on the pine the other day. Well, well, let's talk about a couple of reasons why this was so unusual. Because I had someone on Twitter reply to the tweet that you know players and coaches argue all the time that this isn't wasn't really a big deal. But it was a big deal because players and coaches may argue even mid-game. They may have arguments. But, but I don't know many incidents where a player steps up like that in, in a way that, I mean, I, I, you can't signal anything. Put him up, but, buddy. Like, that's what it was kind of like from book night. I'm ready to go if you are. Yeah, and, and, and so it was, that was strange. It was strange that it came from book night because we've had no indication thus far that, that and, and we haven't had a lot of indication anyway from book night because we haven't seen book night play a lot. Um, but from the comments that I've read from fans of book night, this was strange for them. They, they did not expect Book Knight to be that animated. And it happened mid-game. You know, we hear all the time about players and, and coaches having confrontations when the cameras are away in the locker room, when things are a little bit more private. But for this to happen mid-game, I think was extremely unusual and that someone would have to be taken to the locker room and not return to the bench makes this uh, super unusual. And, and the fact that Book Knight was played for 14 seconds at the end of the third quarter, that's the, that's the first time he checked in. And then in the fourth quarter, doesn't get inserted back into the game. And I think that's where Book Knight's frustration has been building. This isn't the first time this season we've heard from him about, you know, playing time and wanting to be out there. And, and he's tried to sort of hide it in that language that you have to hide it in so that you don't look like you're selfishly demanding playing time. Mm -hmm. But he certainly voiced that. And, and when he doesn't get inserted back into a game where the Hornets are down 25 points, I mean, I can certainly relate to his frustration, but, but at the same time, you can't do that in the middle of a game. And especially, you know, like if you look at the game line, uh, game log, I should say, for book night, he got minutes against Oklahoma City. That's when he really started to, you know, start to flirt with some playing time. Only seven right. minutes there. But then Atlanta, Toronto, Indiana, three games in a row, he gets 17 or more. Against the Lakers, he gets seven minutes. Clippers, 19. And then, as you mentioned, against the Miami Heat, barely gets any register. And Book Knight, after having that type of experience, after having been in games, being a part of the rotation, guys get, start to get back healthy, and Book Knight is now buried on the bench. And yeah. Borrego puts him on, puts him uh, on the sideline, and Book Knight not really having it. And so one other yeah. thing, like, go ahead, go ahead, Doug. Well, I was just going to say, like, we can sit here and rationalize why Book Knight is not getting playing time right now. We can say, look, he made a great argument for playing time in the future, but right now the Hornets are fully healthy. They've got a roster full of veterans. They want to win. Who do you play Book Knight over? Like Cody Martin is one of their 
best defenders. Uh, you know, I mean, who, who do you, you can't sub them out for a forward. They already have enough uh, of a difficult time defending uh, as they've shown these past couple of games, especially when the other team has size, they struggle and book Knight's not going to help you do that. And so he's in, he's in a really tough situation. We can do all of that rationalization, right? But, but book Knight doesn't care about that. Book Knight only cares about, and, and to be fair to him, he should really only you know, in terms of his own uh, ability to play and make money and be and have a future in this league, he has to care about his own playing time. Uh, I just think the way he showed that frustration uh, was probably misguided. Yeah, and I hope that's not what I was saying with the game log. You know, because that yeah. that's not it, it doesn't mean that he gets to do that. Because I'm sure right. there are plenty of players that want to get more playing time. In fact, there were players just last year that wanted more playing time and weren't getting it, and certainly didn't act like that. And we can do the whole. Book Knight is a rookie thing. He doesn't understand. This is the first time he's ever not Rook played. Knight. This is the first time he's not been a star, not been just the flat-out best player on his team. It's mm-hmm. the first time that's ever really happened to, to Book Knight in his career. You know, the, the only other time I can remember any displeasure with James Book Knight, or James Brago, God, the JB thing, that, that's getting mm-hmm. me. Uh, with, with James Brago on the floor, I remember Terry Rozier, maybe last year or two years ago, kind of rolled his eyes, walked yeah. away from Borrego. Borrego then and continues to coach, and that was about it. But here we have it, you know, Book Knight not exactly pleased with the decisions of one James Borrego. And interestingly enough, the game that should have gotten the UConn rookie more minutes was against Toronto. Who did they tonight? It's against the Raptors. I don't know if that's something Borrego might want to go back to because you had some good minutes from Book Knight in that last game against the Raptors, but you're healthy now. You got Kelly back. You got Gordon back. Um, I, we've got an update on Jalen McDaniels, too. We'll do that after the break. First, let's talk about Built Bar. This is the time of year that a lot of people might have given up on the New Year's resolutions. Look, I know there's not too many that I've stuck with in the years past, but when it comes to staying fit, Built Bar makes it easier for you to stay up to date with your New Year's resolutions because they've got so many good Built Bars that are healthy for you. Not only do you have the banana cream pie, the coconut marshmallow, you've got those staples, but they're low in calories calories they're low in sugar and they're high in pro so low in carbs as well something else that they don't offer that is unhealthy for you go to built.com use promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your order use promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com all right let's actually talk about the basketball side of things with the charlotte hornets team talk about them coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast you are listening to the lockdown hornets podcast Main character of American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Hornets could be interested in that. The Locked On NBA podcast will be covering it live from so. 2 to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. Yeah, we'll start to get, you know, look, we've talked about the trade deadline 
for a long time with the Charlotte Hornets team. It's coming up. We've got three days before the deadline comes up, and the Hornets have to make a move if they want to, uh, if they really want to try to change this roster. Well, we can we can dig in because uh, I know we have a lot of basketball to talk about because this weekend was crazy. I mean, not only this book night confrontation. Uh, but they get blown out uh, against Miami, and then there was some crazy stuff that happened in that Cleveland game. Let's get to the trade stuff tomorrow because there is some stuff heating up right now about P.J. Washington's future in a Hornets uniform and possibly Miles Turner, his future in a Hornets uniform. So we should definitely dive into that tomorrow. All right, well, let's go Cleveland then first. It was the first game. We'll go chronologically. And the Hornets, they lose 102 to 101 against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they did that on Friday night. It looked like it was going to be – a blowout on Cleveland's mm-hmm. end where at least it had all the makings of that. And then Charlotte, they come back and actually tie this thing up and have the lead at the end of the fourth quarter, except not the very end. That's when Cleveland is able to find a way to go to the free throw line. Eventually, Kevin Love would hit both free throws, and that would be all they need, 102 to 101. Cavs walk away with a victory. Let's start with how he got to that foul line. It was a tie-up on the rebound that was an initial miss with Cleveland's possession. It was Terry Rozier and it was Kevin Love. At first, you thought maybe that foul call would be on the floor, but instead it was Kevin Love claiming and the officials claiming that he was trying to shoot it as he had the basketball in his hands while Terry was tied up with him on that rebound. He would go to the foul line, hit both, and they would lose. Was that the right call? And we can get into the other madness that took place even before that on both sides. But did you think that was the right call to have Kevin Love shooting? Oh, well, no, it wasn't the right call. And the NBA and the two-minute report decided it wasn't the right, right. call as well. But we then they went back. Our, yeah. It, yeah. And then, but then they went back and said uh, that the call on, um, on Gordon Hayward, where he got tied up with Isaac Okoro, which the broadcast and I think everybody watching thought, hey, Isaac Okoro just manhandled Gordon Hayward on the uh, – on the, uh, uh, on that play, and and th- there should be a foul against Okoro. The NBA said the foul should actually be against Gordon Hayward, and and then uh, they didn't address this in the two minute report, but they did. The refs did address it after the game. There was a play before that it, weird play where like Ed Davis, who was on the <laughs> yeah. Cavs bench, touched. Uh, they had blown the whistle, so the play was dead. I I imagine, but then. Uh, Terry Rozier just just throws up a three, just like a practice three, and Ed Davis comes off the bench and like touches uh, Rozier on the back, and so they tee up Ed Davis, but the play was dead. Rozier missed the practice three, but they counted the three. <laughs> I, none of it makes sense, but it ended up no. four points for the Charlotte Hornets. So I think even if you go, well, the ref should have called that play a non-shooting foul and, and you know, the Cavs should have had to, you know, win the game outright. I mean, the Hornets got four freebies. So we yeah. instead of talking about that, we would have been talking about how the Hornets essentially stole one in Cleveland. So whatever way you look at it, the Hornets got beat 30-15 to 15 in the second quarter. Just inexcusable. There was inexcusable stuff that happened in this game. Uh, that that the Hornets should have walked away with this with the win and momentum taking them into Miami. That probably would have helped. Probably would have, you know, not resulted in this James Book night affair. 
uh, and just a really disappointing effort in that in that second quarter that I think cost them the game. Not any well, of this foul business. No, it, it didn't. I, I hate that as well. Blaming refs for a loss, especially when they were bad for equal sides. Maybe the Hornets got right. the worst end of it, but they did get four free points because what happened for the Hornets to get those four points made absolutely no sense, and it was hilarious. All of us trying to figure out, like Sherlock Holmes, how in the hell they got three and then another additional. It was the. It, uh, I mean, a Walker. I'm not. I'm not gonna words that was the worst officiated game it was so bad that i have ever seen in my life um, and, we, and people locally were just coming off of that north carolina louisville game that actually helped the tar heels and so it was funny to have that game right off the heels of the well i thought that was contest. officiated fairly actually i i thought they, no, they I'm did sure you just did. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a former alum yeah no it was great it was an excellent college game this but but bad. like but the thing the thing about the the going back to that final play where love gets the two free throws the Hornets challenged it, and they got a second look at it. They got two looks at this thing and still got it wrong. Yeah, and that's where I think if you're the NBA, you've got to really, got to really take a close inspection of that particular crew and some of those members and say, you know, I know there's been some issues with referee staffing because of COVID and and different things, but um, but but that's like, it, I mean, that's bush league stuff. That's not professional basketball officiating that's that's weird like rec league bs where you go home but you know there are no stakes there you go home you have a few beers you call it off but like you know this is there are real stakes on the line here and and i'm just disappointed in in what the nba threw out there officiating wise yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where you want to go to elsewhere in this game before we move on. You know, the, the Hornets actually got off to a good start. I thought that was crucial, right? Like, we had talked about actually building a lead and not having to dig yourself out of that hole at the end of I the game. Well, I know where I want to go. All right, well, it's, go ahead. Please, please, take the floor. I'll go right here. Uh, Jarrett Allen, 29 points, 22 rebounds, 11 <laughs> offensive rebounds. I mean, my goodness he was 12 of 20 from the field only shot seven free throw attempts so he gets his 29 by simply dominating the hornets inside uh mason Plumley, by the way finished the game 31 minutes four of six from the field eight points 11 rebounds five assists three steals not a terrible game for mason Plumley, but they had to put mason Plumley out on the floor because allen was just dominating everyone else pj washington uh, 26 minutes in this game, three or four from the field, eight points, nine rebounds himself, but they just could not keep Jared Allen off the offensive boards. And that was part of the reason they lost this game. Yeah, I mean, it was. And Mason Plumley can't be the answer. You know, and I know a lot of people are kind of questioning James Borrego's rotation again because Mason is out there playing big time minutes. He's playing in the closing time of, of games. But you had to get a body. You had to get a body out there that could do something against I, Jared Allen. I, I don't think anybody was doing anything against Jared well, Allen. You know, and I and I I think I include Mason Plumley in that. Either way, like I to your point though, I think to your larger point where you're wanting to get to, I see where you want to go, Doug. It's not having that body on the roster anyway. Mitch, do something. That's where I want to get to, <laughs> that's Mitch. What you, that's what you want to get to. But we got to hold off on the trade deadline talk. We'll talk more basketball stuff here with Cleveland and uh, the Miami God. Heat. Here's something else I, I you kind of look at. Miles Bridge has been awfully quiet here recently. You know, yeah. I mean, Miles My, had the, uh, if I go to his game log and check this out, against the Clippers, he had 18. And so against the Lakers, he had 26. Really good in that game. 
Then against the Clippers, 6 of 19, only 18 points. Only 6 against Boston, and that was a 6-point loss that they suffered to the Celtics on the road. Only had 12, only 8 attempts in the two games against Boston and Cleveland. In his 37 minutes, by the way, only 8 field goal attempts. And then he had 14 against Miami and only scored 15 points. Not shooting well from 3, in fact, was 0 of 9 coming into one of uh, 14 coming into that game against Miami and then added a one of six there. So the shooting, it's going even further down, Doug, after already what has been a career worst shooting from from the from the perimeter for Miles Bridges. Anything you notice with his game right now? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think the off shooting has been something we've talked about all season. It's weird. He's missing free throws, too, like something something's off and I don't know that it's going to really fix itself in the season. It may need maybe mechanic, maybe something they have to look at in the off season um, to try to shake out because it is an odd, I mean, he was one of the best free throw shooters. I think the best free throw shooter for the team last season. Well, he was uh, 40 with the 50, 40, 90 club last year. Right. I mean, yeah, he was excellent everywhere. So that's odd. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward coming off of this COVID or so injury and then COVID, um, you know, he, his offense has been completely in the tank. I mean, it's been miserable. Uh, but but that's, not, that's not unusual for players coming off of COVID absences. I just feel like that's been a trend in the NBA. You come off the COVID absence and you're, you are not 100%. You're not, like, immediately ready to go. Uh, and that feels like the case here with, with Gordon. Uh, you know, so all of these things are kind of combining, um, you know, <laughs> there's also a LaMelo situation where it just doesn't seem like Borrego fully 100% trusts LaMelo Ball's decision-making with the basketball. And so I think both in this Cleveland game and this Miami game, you had situations where Borrego was going away from LaMelo Ball for stretches where he typically would depend on LaMelo Ball. Um, so all of these things are combining for Hornets losses and people in my Menchie's very angry. <laughs> oh, Same. Oh, yeah, especially the, well, the Gordon Hayward stuff, too. People have had a field day with his 3 of 13 and his uh, bad performance against Miami. Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, and, and listen, there's there's no disputing it. Oh, and, I'm not gonna, it's been bad, it's and bad, they're paying yeah. him a lot of money to not play poorly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, mean, well, I, and, get and it, I get it. So four straight losses for Charlotte, not exactly not exactly all rosy here in the Queen City, and they're going to have to try to figure it out against Tehran. Maybe we can talk more about that Miami game, although, man, I, I don't know what else you want to discuss with that one. It was all pretty bad. We'll try to uh, we'll try to break it down in the next segment. Bet Online does have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march to the Super Bowl, you got this big game coming up that Doug is going to be on site for in just now a less than a week's worth of time. Pretty awesome to see. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football, by the way. They have up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, FC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. One more segment to go on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Then I clicked on M. Thomas. I'm like, who in the hell is M. Thomas? Matt Thomas is oh, his name. Oh, NBA legend, Matty Thomas. <laughs> he play, Matt he Thomas. Didn't play at all. I'm pretty sure Matt Thomas <laughs> served me at an Applebee's the other day. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
I will say it's been delightful watching the sun rise in the background. You picked an excellent spot. They gave you an excellent room so we could check this out. Yeah, it's been good, but the lighting, you know, I'm a, I'm a video production geek and the lighting situation here has gotten progressively worse as it's gotten brighter behind me. I'm going to get this lighting. Uh, some of my lighting equipment is off site right now. So uh, if you're watching, just understand I'm going to get this lighting stuff figured. I'm going to fix the lighting. Mm -hmm. uh, you look red now because of the lighting. Yeah, I know. I got this dust. one. I got this one overhead <laughs> bulb, just you know, raining down warm light on mm -hmm. me. Uh, uh, you know, and the hornets—it's it, really opposite of what the hornets are uh, right now. Yeah, they nice. are cold, cold, cold as ice. I was thinking of the same segue. Nice job, even across well, the country. Thinking about the same exact segue. Yeah, that's what Aligned. we do. Uh, Twenty-point loss almost, and it should have been more. How about this, Doug? Thirty-five mm -hmm. to eight in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. The Hornets lost the third quarter itself by 30 points. And this is after, you know, they only scored 23 in the first, but they come back, hold Miami to 15 in the second. So it's a close game heading into the third quarter, and then it really wasn't heading into the fourth because of the way that Miami was able to separate themselves. I, I can't remember, or I couldn't remember a worse quarter, but there actually was. I looked this up uh, during the game because I had nothing better to do because <laughs> the game was awful. Uh, but the Hornets actually had a seven-point first quarter in 2016. I don't know if you remember this game. It was against the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, yes. And it was that 15-16 team, uh, and Jeremy Lin went on to have a pretty incredible game off the bench. I believe it was off the bench. He may have been starting in place of Kimball Walker. He had a few starts that year. Um, but seven-point first quarter, they went on to win that game. Uh, they did not. Well, you, you can have a seven-point first quarter. You got you got plenty of time to come back. But when you have an eight-point third quarter, <laughs> I don't. You know, talk a lot about coaching in this game, and and I think so much of coaching is getting guys ready. You know, coming coming into that first quarter, and and you know, I, I think people in professional sports, I think people overemphasize the role of a head coach at at halftime. Uh, you know that this idea of like the head coach coming in and like giving a fiery speech. But I mean, they were up five. Like, what are you going to say to the team? Like, Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. You're up five on the Miami heat. One of the best teams in the Eastern conference, keep going. And then instead of, uh, instead of keeping going, uh, they got gone and they got run out of the gym. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just one more thing. So you're uh, looking at Borrego. Like it sounds. No, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. What I'm saying, no, what I'm saying okay. is I'm not looking at Borrego. I'm saying, gotcha. What, what was Borrego supposed to do at half? You know, hey guys, you're 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 up five. Keep doing what you're doing. And then they come out and, and lay an egg. And I think it speaks more to the maturity of this team, the maturity of the players. You know, to say, I think you just got to come out of half with with a better mentality. Well, and, and to me, I think when people talk about coming out of the break, it's not necessarily the win one for the Gipper speech that you're expecting. It's right. all about the adjustments, right? So, so if, if whatever happens in the first half, it's almost like a mini game within the game. Can you adjust and then try to win the second one enough to where you win the overall thing? And that's you look at the Charlotte Hornets, that stat you brought up the other day, Doug, of the plus minus in every single quarter this year. Hornets were plus six. It was their best quarter by a pretty significant They typically margin. make great adjustments. Yeah, yeah. And, and it didn't happen in this one and by, by the least bit. And you talk about a well-coached team on the other side. Eric Spolstra is one of the best in the NBA. And Miami playing some – they weren't playing phenomenally heading into this game. 
Um, but still, Miami, a, a really talented team. They did have that win against San Antonio, but they had lost three straight, two to Toronto, one to Boston, kind of similar to what the Hornets were doing. Um, but they also have had guys in and out of the lineup, so kind of a weird uh, situation for the Heat right now. Either way, the Hornets gave them a gift by laying up an egg in the third. Yeah, and you'll, you'll be unsurprised to know that one of the adjustments that Miami did make out of the break was just to pound the ball to Bam Adebayo, who had nine nine field goal attempts, uh, 10 points, also set up a few of those Butler buckets. He was four of four for nine points. Um, didn't re- you know, they were four of seven from three, so they were efficient, but it wasn't like that third quarter for the Miami Heat was just them bombing threes over and over again. I mean, you know, the, the story on the Hornets is, you know, if you can, if you can be the more physical team, uh, if you can be the team that can get the ball in the paint and finish, uh, you're going to have a good time against the Charlotte Hornets team because they're, I wouldn't, you know, if we're talking about like what what is the identity of this Hornets team, I would not call that identity, I would call it resilient, but I would not call it like physically tough. Um, and, you know, I, I think the, the story's out on them. And when the shooting isn't there, which it hasn't been, like the three-point shooting has been god-awful lately, um, that's, been, that's been the thing that the Hornets could rely on to not only help them get back into games, but also really hurt teams and build leads. And all of that has gone away. That was their that was their main weapon, and and now they they you know teams that that go through these shooting slumps can typically you know good teams teams that are like competitive and can be in the playoffs and and you know teams like Miami can lean on physical toughness or manufacturing offense you know to get them through those shooting slumps and the Hornets just simply cannot do that. Yeah, and, and I think another thing too, like something I was really worried about was moving the basketball coming into the season, and I was pleasantly surprised to see they were still moving it at a high level. Didn't matter if they had some of the guys off of the team that could facilitate well. Uh, players improved themselves as playmakers. Miles Bridges uh-huh. improved as a playmaker. You know, Terry Rozier kind of got a little more in the mix. I feel like his assists are up this year. Um, I haven't checked that against the last, but my point being, like, I just. I feel like in these losses, you don't see the ball move as much. And that's why I think even a LaMelo, when you look at some of the assist lines he's given you, you know, when you look at this game against, um, when you look at this, you've you've seen games from him before, at least, where there's a low assist total and it's Uh like kind of a weird game overall for the Charlotte Hornets when they play. Well, it's it's not only that the ball is not moving a ton, that they're really more relying on, uh, you know, sort of one-on-one opportunities at isolation basketball or, or at least like one person touches goes to the rim and, and tries to finish you know, it's it's some of that but it's also when the ball moves has been moving sloppily i mean you look at that third mm-hmm. quarter where 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 they got beat uh 35 to 8 and they had eight turnovers in that quarter i mean this has been a generally low turnover team that's what i'm saying the whole hornets world is upset when you lose four in a row a lot of those things that made you successful are going to suddenly turn upside down. And, and the Hornets have generally been very good at protecting the basketball and moving the ball. And, and now it's, it's all opposite. And they have an opportunity against the Toronto Raptors tonight to turn things around. But the, the Raptors have been doing everything right. Um, they, they, have a, they, they, have some, they have an all-star selection. <laughs> you know, they've, they've got a guy in Fred Van Vliet who didn't play in the last game. It was Gary Trent Jr. that hurt them uh, January 25th when they last met. Uh, that was that was a game that the Hornets uh, were, were out of pretty early and, and couldn't really claw back in. So 
uh, I, I don't I don't know. Um, it, it seems like the Hornets are kind of teeter tottering mm-hmm. on um, on oblivion. They're sitting ninth in the East now, so they're not even in the endless middle anymore. Uh, they and they are mm-hmm. they are uh, on the verge of of uh, you know really being at the bottom of the play in now. Um, so. Um, I don't. I don't, honestly don't know. I'm kind of at a loss at this point. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. And just real quickly about the assists for for Lamelo. You know, Lamelo had three assists against Miami. Had three assists against Cleveland. Had three against Toronto. Just the just the past couple of weeks. You know, had four against Orlando in that weird loss in the middle of what yeah. was euphoria for us Charlotte Hornets fans. Like this is you know the last couple of months. You've started to see, I think maybe it's when LaMelo's trying to figure out when he should take over offensively, just mm-hmm. the just the overall flow within the game. Because you look before that, Doug, I mean, you, you don't see a lot of low assist numbers from him before December. You know, before that, you had one game where you had three against the Clippers at the very beginning of the season. One game where you had four. That's kind of it. You know, you had, a game, you had three against Orlando even earlier on, too. Like, this was somebody that was – he was the show running everything. And, and I – like as as much as the improvement and the development matters for him to be, uh, I'm gonna go get my bucket, and we've seen him capable of that. Just look at the Milwaukee game, you know. I it just probably better for the team. If it's like, look, Lamelo, we just need you organizing everything. Like, yeah, shoot the basketball well, which he's kind of had better shooting games. Okay, recently. but when you put it that way, that you know that doesn't sound very fun, and and that doesn't sound like, hey, go organize everything. Like, when have I? When is when has anyone ever said, hey, go organize this stuff? And <laughs> you're you saying went, he wants to score. Yeah, he wants to get in the point. Cool. Call. He Let's go organize some stuff. Well, I'm saying that doesn't, you know, the guy who organizes everything is not the guy who gets voted into the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, I, maybe not at this stage. You know, Chris Paul is, is kind of like that, special player, doesn't average a ton of points. Like, I, I think there's a way for him to do that. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see exactly what takes place, and then we'll see if the Hornets can get back on track tonight against the Toronto Raptors. That'll do it for the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks to Doug for waking up early, watching the sunrise, all with us here over the Hollywood Hills. Now make sure your second listen is Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks again for hopping on with us. We'll be back with you tomorrow.